You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Brr. It's wintertime, buckaroos. As my daddy still says, it's colder than a well driller's took us out there. Which means them doggies are shivering and you got death metal blasting in the dark of the early morn because you're on your way to go ice climbing. Or maybe you're still standing in line at the local boulangerie in Uray, Colorado at 9 a.m. after a hot soak, anticipating your half-calf soy milk latte with one pump of vanilla. Thank you very much. Either way, you crazy sons of bitches are all fired up to jug haul up them icicles. And though in this cowpoke's opinion, they should be staging an intervention rather than stoking the addiction, Black Diamond is and has always been at the forefront of innovation when it comes to pure ice and mixed climbing. I mean, just look at the names of Black Diamond's ice tools for crying out loud. The Cobra, the Reactor, the Fuel, the Viper. How the hell are you not going to feel like a boss wielding two Vipers in your hands? Of course, it helps to forget that Vipers generally would stay away from ice or go dormant in those temperatures, as would Cobras. And if you did grab either of those snakes by the tail, you'd probably be dead within a couple hours, max. But try not to think about that while you're swinging your way up a glorious blue chunk of God's frozen creation. So once the natural euphoria of rewarming your hands begins to ebb, Head over to BlackDiamondEquipment.com or your favorite local shop and check out BD's ice tools, ice screws, apparel, and all the other accoutrement that goes with scraping up frozen rock and water. Because hell, aren't we really just here for the accoutrement? We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are playing it at? Are you playing here? We're doing the... Uh Enormo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big house. place. Sold That's, it out. Very That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll you really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Galus. It is 10.30 here in Colorado on February 14th, 2022. And this is episode 236 of the Enormacast, a conversation with Malik Martin and Conrad Anker. But really, it's more of a conversation with Malik. And Conrad's here on the podcast, and he was sort of the connective tissue that got the thing going, which is sort of his role in the outdoor industry these days in a lot of ways. That's what he likes to do is sort of connect worlds and get people talking. So I appreciate that. And Conrad and I have become friends in the last few years, maybe mostly because our connection to the Kennedys, Julie and Michael Kennedy, parents of the late great Hayden Kennedy. So we're sort of, uh, you know, friends and tragedy a little bit. 
but it's always good to see Conrad, and I appreciate the fact that he was a real big part of getting this little sit down between the three of us, and he's there to participate as well. But before we get to that, a couple bits of business to talk about. First of all, the TAPS episode was put out last episode. If you missed it, go back and check it out. You know, we survived. Didn't get canceled yet. I feel like uh, we we rode that wave through there. And um, in fact, I think I got a lot less pushback this year against some of the things we said. Keep in mind that the uh, TAPS episode is entertainment. It's not gospel. We're just having a good time, you know, talking shit. It's become sort of an annual tradition. People look forward to it. They bug me about it. Yeah, a couple people, you know, got a little prickly over stuff, but a lot less than in previous years. I don't know if we just didn't skewer the sacred cows as much, but we had a good time. And uh, I tried to get a a woman on the show, and um, I had a couple things sort of fall through, and the scheduling wasn't working out, and so we just went ahead because, frankly, everyone was bugging me to where's the TAPS episode. I got tons of messages. But, um, you know, the TAPS episode is never the first episode of the year. It actually is almost always the second. This time it felt like the third because I was running late in December and posted the last episode of December, actually in the beginning of January and blah, 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 blah. Anyhow, it wasn't actually late, just so you know. But I am vowing that next year we get a lady on the show. Okay, I know that's a long ways out. But stick with me. We will have a woman on taps after six or seven years. Seems absurd that it took this long. I will admit. But you know, it's kind of a bro show. So we'll see how that works out. Okay. Uh, the other bit of news is that I have been tapped to be the keynote speaker and lander at the climbing festival, which happens in July, which is a long ways off. But in a lot of ways, it's right around the corner. So just keep that in mind. I'll be talking about it on the show. I've been going to that thing forever. I've been watching their presentations forever, sometimes with my eyes rolled way back in my head. So now I got to put my money where my mouth is. I'm out there heckling, and now I'm going to be on the stage. So keep that in mind. I'll be talking about it throughout the spring, Lander Climbing Festival, the International Climbing Festival, rather, in Lander, Wyoming, usually like second or third week in July after they get over their hangovers from the 4th of July. Because Lander goes off on the 4th of July, from what I understand. And then they got to strap their boots on and get right back into it with the climbing festival. Professionals. Professionals up there in Lander. Okay, one of the other reasons I got to sit down with Malik and Conrad at the same time is that they're doing a presentation coming up here this week, actually, in Tahoe. And many of you will probably hear this after this happens, but I got a couple days out. Um, I believe it's on the 17th. It is the Alpenglow Winter Speaker Series. You can actually go in person if you are there in Tahoe, but it's also uh, being presented virtually. So if you go to alpenglowsports.com slash winter speaker series, you can uh, uh, figure out how to sign up and check it out online. Um, there's a bunch of stuff being given away as well, even to people who are watching online. So 17th of February, 7 o'clock, Malik Martin, Conrad Anchor. So if you listen to this and want more, which I think you might, maybe more clarification, maybe more banter between the two of them, uh, then check it out on the 17th at 7 p.m. And you can sign up to see it online over there at alpenglowsports.com slash winter speaker series. 
All right. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the podcast. Uh, Malik is a very unique individual within climbing. Um, I think he is confronting diversity, confronting lack of representation for brown climbers more head-on than anyone I've talked to yet. A lot of the folks I've talked to in that category are a little bit reluctant to be the out front, outright, in-your-face spokesperson. And uh, Malik is not afraid of that. And uh, I was really energetic to talk to him. You know, he pushes some buttons, so be prepared. The other thing that was kind of funny about it, and this is all Conrad's doing, is that we actually did this in Ure at the Vspaden, which um, I actually even used to advertise for the Vspaden on here. It's the it's like the cool hot springs in Ure with a cave and everything else. But we were outside at this little private hot springs pool, sitting next to the pool, and there was some talk of like doing it in the pool, but it. You know, I didn't know Malik that well. You know, it's like a bunch of dudes stripping out of their trunks to talk. It it didn't feel quite right. But uh, afterwards, I was like, why didn't we do that? Because while we were sitting next to this super hot, steamy pool, freezing our asses off, it actually snowed about an inch on us during the podcast. I was wearing Crocs with socks. Yes, I'm a Crocs with socks guy. Don't at me. It is amazing. Crocs are amazing. I'm a, I'm a recent convert. Crocs with socks, man. That's where it's at. Just slip them on, slip them off. I love it. Anyhow, I'm wearing that. Malik has this incredible bare skin looking jacket. It was synthetic, so don't get after him about that either. North Face, like, I don't know if it was like an exclusive thing, like custom made for him, or if it's something you can actually buy. Maybe it's part of their sort of Gucci line. I don't know. It was amazing. Um, look at the pictures I'll post with this thing. It was amazing. And uh, yeah, so we're sitting there getting snowed on and freezing our asses off next to a very hot private pool that people uh, you know, can reserve and pay money to go into. And I don't know what we were thinking. Conrad thought maybe we'd get electrocuted by my little battery powered recorder or uh, whatever. Anyhow, missed opportunity. The conversation probably would have been Way more mellow and weird if we were in that hot tub. Okay, this one's unlike anything I've ever tried to do on the Enormacast, so I hope you dig it. I had a great time meeting and talking to Malik, and as usual, being in the presence of Conrad is quite an experience, so let's get to it. The Enormacast presents La Sportiva Legends. Welcome to the lineup of the most legendary climbing shoes ever made. The performance majesty of the Mira, the OG downturned innovation of the Testarossa, the El Cap dominance of the TC Pro, the precision power of the Solution, and that brilliant all-rounder, the Mythos. All legends, all still leading the pack, all of them immortal. 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 And now... Coming in spring 2022, the venerable Katana Laceup gets an update to legend status. So many legendary shoes, it's easy to forget that Sportiva is still innovating with legends in the making, like the indoor dominating theory. So if the word legend is something that makes you want to buy shoes, check out both the new and legendary at Sportiva.com or your favorite shop. You're good enough, you're smart enough, and you deserve a legend. Did I say legend enough? You think they got it? All right. 
That's a wrap. Don't spit. No yeah. COVID. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't worry, I brought these. Malik to the, the Martian here. checking in. Yeah. So early in the morning. <laughs> here we are. It's snowing. This is great. Yeah, oh. yeah, the snow looks good on your new jacket. <laughs> I mean. I'm glad I had it. You know. Yeah, you know I don't. Um, I don't actually do a lot of visual media with this thing, but I wish I was because it does. It's cool. You know, you're getting like a like a dusting of snow on that fur jacket. You're starting to look more and more like a grizzly bear over there. Perfect. That's what I. That's what I want. Uh, you know, me and grizzlies, we got a special relationship. So that's <laughs> it's awesome. like when I see you, <laughs> someone's going to the ICU. I don't right know who. <laughs> Hopefully not me. <laughs> So um, I guess we'll start with a little bit about you guys' relationship. You know, we're here in Ure at the V-Spot, and three of us, I've known Conrad for quite a long time at this point. We have a relationship through friends as well as um, through climbing. But uh, I want to kind of know about how you guys ended up meeting and becoming close over the last few years. Yeah. So kind of how we ended up here, the three of us, you know? Basically, I mean, we are in Ure. First, can we talk about your way and that it needs a why? Um, <laughs> I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like I was saying our, our way when I first came like three years ago. And I was like, it's your way. And I'm like, where's the why? You know, um, but our relationship began at Global Climbing Day. He was sent down by the brand, you know, to, a, you know, a local gym, South Memphis, uh, Memphis Rocks. And uh, I was a photographer at the time. And I just always carry this natural curiosity, like, of how to always learn more, sharpen my sword. You know, all I know is that I know nothing. I don't really ever think that I'm at a, a point where I'm just so good that I can't get any new tips. I had just started climbing. It was 2018. I was just watching TV and, like, you know, I was like, damn, do they shoot these movies on helicopters? I was watching Don Wall. And they was like, no, nah, people climb and shoot down. And it's like, ah. And I was started hanging with the route setters. And, like, when Conrad came, you know, he never made me feel bad for my inexperience. That's one thing that I can say helped our relationship grow is because, like, he climbed a route, like, four times before I got to the top to take one damn picture. It's like, excuse me, can you climb it one more time? And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem, you know. And he was like, we're going to get it right. Like, I'm going to climb it until you get the shot, you know. And um, that was really, the, you know, the spark of it. Over the years, it just stayed in touch. And um, through my own curiosity and journey, you know, like, getting closer to the brand through my own just workings, you know, it just kind of helps have like a, like a, you know, like a, a full, you know, like a full circle. Like I have my, I have my own dealings with the brand and then I also have my own dealings with Conrad and my own platform. And it's just beautiful how, you know, our interests cross pollinate and, um, you know, he's really brought me into his circle of influence is the main thing. Cause in this industry it's hard, you know, being a, a black climber and, not feeling tokenized, not feeling taken advantage of at every turn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, Conrad believes in bringing people in a circle of influence, as in, like, I'm going to, you know, like, it would be a North Face call. I'd be at his house, and he'd be like, Malik, sit right here. You know, I'm on the call with the rest of the team. Um, he makes sure, like, when we do our expeditions, TNF was like, we want to send a photographer with y'all to capture, like, you know, this moment for you and you with the brand. And I was like, if they're, like, you know, bringing me into the brand somewhat, like, the only person who could take the picture is Jimmy. Conrad's like, you're right. And he calls Jimmy, and Jimmy, you know what I mean? It's just he actually brought me into a situation that could change my life, you know? And it's not like, here's a jacket. um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being in this ad, and we're going to make money off of it. But, like, he truly helped put me in a position through 
you know, knowledge and just sharing space that, like, you know, this is my third ice season. I remember my first time in URA, I got hired by the brand to photograph the festival. And I was just elated to be here. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to ice climb ever again. You know, like, that was just something I got to do. Right. But now it's like going into my third season. You know, URA is like familiar. I like Telluride better, but <laughs> URA is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what about from your perspective, Conrad, in terms of uh, uh, of Malik? You know, showing up, and I think we all get used to, obviously, certain type of people that are in our climbing world. Um, we've gotten used to that over the years. You know, not just talking about him being a black man, but just, you know, where he was from. And, you know, like he said, your circle of influence is also your circle of friends and your family. And, um, yeah, so talk about this guy coming into your life from this kind of sort of left-field direction that we're not used to. Yeah, so... August 2018, Memphis Rocks, this great climbing gym and potential to be so much more. They've got a garden, carpentry shop, all sorts of cool things. But it was um, this fellow, Tom Shadiak, put it on the map by just plunking down what you need to build a, a $10 million gym or whatever the price was. And he believed in South Memphis. That's where he's from. And he was taken by climbing and the manner in which humans communicate with other humans. Like, yeah, you got this. We can do it. And that that sort of way of being a climber was uh, was something that he saw that would fit in well there in, in uh, Memphis. So, yeah, we uh, <laughs> you know went there and right away I was like, oh, yeah, this will be fun. And the knowledge I've through over the years of working with photographers and how you would get above and what the angle would be and this and that. And so we were like, oh, this is great. We're going to do a tutorial here at the gym, get a senders on the rope. This is a fixed line. This is rappelling and, and just getting getting into that. And the um, yeah, it's still going back to uh, Memphis Rocks is, for me, it, it reinvigorates my spirit of why I climb. And so in the same way, one would be like, oh, I went to Indian Creek or I went to climb Bridalville Falls or I went to Devil's Tower, Yosemite, or, and to rejuvenate what you want, going to Memphis and spending a week at that climbing gym with the, the team that's there is, is great because we're so, we're so caught up in what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, here we are at the Ice Climber Festival, but the boulders aren't going to talk to the ice climbers and the trad daddies are going to be over there. And there's some... But even then, it's like we all get like lost in these little subsets of, oh, I'm a dry tool ice climber or I'm a, a high ball boulder or something like that. And But yet, you know, how can we get communication beyond just the small niches within our sport to include more people in it? And in that sense, Memphis Rocks is opening doors and taking down gates. Yeah. And I mean, like, it was like my reintroduction to the outdoors because I grew up in the Boy Scouts and my uncle and them had campers when I was a kid. You know, we lived in Salt Lake, um, but we didn't ever do like no backwoods stuff. You know what I mean? But I was familiar with, you know, outdoors. But to like, I, I'm always up for a challenge. And, you know, as an artist, I get to reinvent myself so many times throughout my life. And like this climbing phase is something that never was like in plan. You know what I mean? Like as a cameraman. Um, I started my career in 2016 where I was living in this slumlord apartment and um, it was real, it was real raggedy and like bed bugs spread through the apartment. And um, the lease was up and I had just got a raise at work. It was still like not livable wage, but it was better than what it was, you know? 
And instead of getting an apartment, I bought a tent and like, and instead of paying rent, I paid myself. And that's how I afforded my first camera, lenses, MacBook. It was like, I did that for six months and, you know, couch surfed after that. I don't know. I never would have thought when I was staying in a tent those days that now I'd be staying in a tent, but it's like part of my career. You know what I'm saying? Um, It's just funny how like the dedication to my lens and, you know, my curiosity has just led me places that I never would have thought before. Yeah, so let me ask you a little bit about the climbing thing. As I explained when we started talking about this show, sort of ostensibly about climbing. So let me ask you about that. You know, one of the things I talk to climbers about all the time on this show, maybe too much, I don't know, uh, for the listeners, but I'm always interested in their origin story. Uh-huh. You know, how is it you found it? Because things have changed since I started climbing, the main thing being the gyms. For for most climbers, there was always this kind of moment where it came into their lives. You know, if you grew up in Boulder, Colorado or somewhere like that, then yeah, climbing was always around even 50 years ago. Yeah. But if you, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, it was like I got this little hint of it from a magazine and that planted the seed. Yeah. A seed that like, I had no idea at the time that it would basically run the next 35 years of my life, you know, as a kid. So tell me a little bit about the seed and, and where the climbing thing fit in, how you found it and why you think it, it like germinated and grabbed you. So I'm a photojournalist and um, I'm such a wonderful photojournalist that I don't do research on the places. I just show up sometimes because it's like I like that cold start. You know what I mean? Where I, I you know, I didn't even know who Tom was when I first met him. He was like, you need to Google me. I was like, why? You know, it's like I don't because it's like I care about the person, not what you did. You know what I'm right. saying? We had an intern at the local paper I was shooting for, the Tri-State Defender, the oldest black newspaper in the region. And she wanted to do a story on Memphis Rocks. I didn't know, you know, I, you know, I'm going to show up. And this was an intern also, so I was like, Pfft. you know, she's just trying to get an A. I'm like, I'll just show up, take her pictures, and leave or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, we're conducting an interview, and we're interviewing this guy, Chris Dean. And I was like, when I got there, I was like, the, the Obama kid? What the fuck is he doing here? Like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't, when I first walked in Memphis. Tell, what's the Obama kid? The Obama <laughs> kid is like when Chris was a senior in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, 2008 or 2009, he introduced Obama at his, like, um, graduation ceremony. Oh, okay. So then he went on to, like, intern at the White House and Michelle. Validatory for his class. And, yeah. Yeah, it's a great success story for some Yeah, so, like, you know, and we was all young, you know, when it happened. So, like, he's done a lot more since then. But it's just, yeah. like, when I seen him, I was like, the Obama kid? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know any connection that he had to Tom or, you know, I didn't, you know, I knew he went to BTW. So, of course, he's from the hood, South Memphis. But um, when I first walked into Memphis Rocks, I was just like, oh, man, my fucking hood is gone. Like, it's gentrification is here. All right. Like, damn. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, man, because I literally grew up three minutes. My grandma's house that we own to this day is three minutes walking from the gym. You feel me? Like, I remember when that was like a, a old raggedy grocery store called the Woo Supermarket. Like, you wouldn't even want to eat the chips out of a bag. It was so dirty in that gym. Like... <laughs> Um, so to see it, it was just like, oh man, but like, you know, interviewing Chris, he told me like the motto and the ethos and the pathos and what they trying to do and integrate the community instead of exclude the community. You know, for me, I was like, I like that idea. And also it was like, if I could like make any type of impact from the inside, I should, you know, yeah. but I was freelancing. So, which means I had a lot of time on my hands <laughs> and, um, the gym had like one top rope route and like, I don't know, most of the boulder, half of the boulder section was done. 
And it was like a month before they opened. And they was like, oh, man, you ain't never climbed. So after the story, I climbed for the first time. And it was like a five, six. And I was like fucking shaking and sweating. And I'm scared. It was scared of heights. You know what I'm saying? I climbed to the top. You know, I sent it, flashed it, whatever. <laughs> Flash on. Whatever, whatever you yeah. know. <laughs> five, six. You can't, you can't see me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I don't grade hop, man. Like, people who be trying to, like, if you feel good because you climb a higher grade, it's like whoop de doo You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, the average experience is just to have fun. Yeah. But um, they were like, you know, before the gym opened, if you like it, you could just come climb. And so, like I said, I used to just be at the crib. So I went up there, like, for, like, two weeks Three weeks straight, I was just climbing, and one day they was like, you know, you want a job at the front desk? And I was like, yeah, because it was like I could leave, go do a story, then come back at the desk, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it was just from there, like sitting at the front desk watching Don Wall and uh, Free Solo one now, yeah. uh, I ain't watched Mayru. I ain't even going to lie, Conrad. I ain't watched Mayru until, like, after I met you. Cause I ain't want to be no fanboy. I be like, I don't give a fuck what he climbed. Be like, <laughs> like, is he cool or not? You know what I mean? Um, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> uh, but it's like they make it down. <laughs> I've, I've seen it since, but uh, I've seen it since. Shout out to Renan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Shout Jimmy. out to Jimmy. But uh, them the homies. It was crazy just from like sitting at a front desk like three, four years ago, and these people are like icons and idols. And I can call Jimmy right now. You know what I mean? Right. I could call Renan. Like, never could I have imagined when, like, I always say if I would have go had a time machine, I could go back in time. Like, wake up in the middle of the night. Like, four years from now, you're going to be working with North Face. Right. Shooting movies, all this other stuff. I would have tried to connect the dots. You know what I mean? I would have mm-hmm. tried to figure out how to make that happen, and right. it wouldn't have happened. Like, being that everything is so organic and pure between me and Conrad, like, it's not forced. It wasn't like, Oh, this Conrad, let me try to like I couldn't care less. And that's one thing about Conrad is when you do you know, like he wants he likes people just to be people. Mm-hmm. And I mean he's just him. I don't know, it was just that curiosity and connectivity. My curiosity mixed with his experience. Right. I mean, he's a well of knowledge, bro. Like you know, yeah, he's been around. Yeah. But there's a connection that um you know, just as we were getting ready here, our son Max was in the uh in the little lobby of the hotel here and <laughs> So and and you and Max are the same age, and so yep. there's this. Um, I'm like an uncle to you in a in a sense that that um, and to be there as a to offer a little bit of advice, encouragement, things like that. But one of the beautiful things we did was in uh, June, July of 2020. So lockdown happens, it goes crazy. This pre-vaccines. Um, Delta hadn't hit the scene or whatever, but we kind of like the old COVID. Yeah, the old COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna bottle that up and sell it for extra minutes. That good old wrong. COVID. Back when you thought you was gonna buy COVID, vintage COVID. <laughs> like people was wiping down lettuce and shit. COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> my don't mail. touch the climbing holds. That was another thing. We were like, if someone touches that climbing hold and then you touch it, you're gonna die. Like um, real shit. That was like the. the I'm gonna fear. tell my grandkids, COVID was like a physical monster, and if you went outside, like it would eat mm-hmm. you. Well, you came out to visit us for three weeks in Montana, and just we went to the Gallatin, we went to the Grand Teton, we tried Granite Peak, but got stormed off in a late July snowstorm. But all good learning lessons, and and yeah, we were there for three weeks, and just to to be part of our house and with our boys and our unique family that Jenny and I have, and I appreciate your friendship, Malik. So, no, I appreciate you. It's like. You know, he's like my mountain dad or whatever. Um, like, his sons are all my age. 
So it's like, you know, I think I'm the oldest hell. <laughs> like, and it's like, you know, I got little brothers and I don't know, all of them are different, but just to be able to like have a community and a family like in somewhere like Bozeman, Montana. Mm-hmm. As a black man, like you could lay out a state before I got into rock climbing and shit. That I could mark to you some specific states that I should never go to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Montana was one of those just right, like right. Dakotas. It's like, why yeah. in the hell would I ever go there? Yeah. But now it's like I've been through all that and it's mm-hmm. beautiful. And um that's where the the knowledge that I'm building up and the experiences that I'm taking is like where I'm entering into my next phase is trying to take more of my peers and more of my people, people from my hood, climbing and camping. Not even climbing, just camping. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's like me personally when I go to base camp and set up, I can look at the mountain. I don't have to conquer it. And so where I am, I'm trying to, like, find my place in climbing and in the outdoors. And, like, I do like some extreme stuff because, like, Conrad has taught me, like, you just got to suffer. And that's through, like, he makes that, you know, oh, we did three weeks climbing, like, it was way more intense. That's why, we're sitting, that's why we're sitting in a snowstorm right now, actually. Yes, that was Conrad's machinations right. that we do this podcast while it's dumping on us. Yeah. Um, we're all <laughs> the weather was something else. Yeah, this is legit. Shit. This is like you know. This is just like if you can't handle this, right? Exactly. Yeah, there's like a half inch of snow. Everywhere. I mean, literally, like yeah, we've got a little bit of snow. Like it's starting to pile up on us out here. So you just talked about getting your community into the outdoors, and and you also talked about him, uh, Conrad having this well of knowledge, right? Yeah. But for two things sort of struck me is a I when you started talking about how you or his kids are the same age, I actually thought of you as much older. And and here's why: is it it the grays in my why. beard. What's that? The grays in my beard. Yeah, maybe. That's <laughs> but, snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is that you also bring this well of knowledge, and I don't know if you acknowledge that to yourself. But the the important thing is that. Again, you've you've come from this world, I think, that Conrad and his family probably didn't have a lot of knowledge about. And you're bringing that to climbing. It, it's made me think about it in the last couple of years. You know, we've been talking about, you know, representation, black people in climbing or pe- people of color in climbing, which is super important. But, but the main thing I've been thinking about is just how again, how same my world is when I when I'm because I'm so in climbing and I've never looked out of it that much or it didn't occur to me that it was kind of all the same around me yeah. and the thing that i've been interested in as we've been talking about this for a couple of years you know and it, since you've come on the scene too is that i'm like god there's just so much to be learned from someone who comes from outside and into this so insular world that we live in and so i want to just ask you a bit about or not ask you but also ask connor a bit about the the passing of knowledge both directions um, because I'm aware of what he's, we actually have a similar well of knowledge, even though he's climbed bigger things than us, but we're, you know, we're passing these little things back and forth that we kind of already know. Then you show up, honestly, and, you, and, and you're someone I'm just like, wow, like this guy knows about stuff I have no idea about just because of who you are. And uh, I think it's really special. So I don't know, maybe Conrad, you could also address that in terms of the, the back and forth a little bit. Yeah, they're... Um... For the past decade plus or so, or going back to the '90s, of I've I've been aware of the lack of representation with black climbers, and I mean Mike Freeman was the one guy in the '90s out of the gunks, and and getting to know Malik and pre everything becoming more aware with the murder of George Floyd and what everyone collectively what we went through in 2020 with 
the election and all that stuff, it was to be aware of that was for me was was pretty understanding. And so I being in South Memphis, it's like I go into the climbing gym and my credit card's denied. And so like after the third time I call up and they're like, why isn't a hundred dollars to Memphis rocks? Why is it not going through? You know, and it's starting to get like embarrassed. Like you have another credit card in there, but then it was just like, this is systemic racism. That's the credit card company says I'm in a risky area, the zip code there. And, and there are, your car was clearly stolen. <laughs> and I mean, but extend that out to, to financing of houses and, and, and the redlining and all that stuff is, is there. And then, so the more I learn about that, the more I'm aware of my fellow humans situation and what I can do to, um, to make that better. And for, for you and I traveling through rural Montana on the way to a climbing area, it's, it's like walking into the gas station in a rural part of the state. And for me, it's different. I've walked into that damn gas station all the time, but all of a sudden they're like, or when we were on the trail in the Grand Teton and the guy's like protected his daughters and put his hand on his heater. And I was like, Man, we're like, I just think he was oblivious. He didn't realize what he was doing. Well, I mean, I, I understand, like, me being an unarmed black man, I'm one of the most threatening people in the room, just off top, like, you know what I mean? And that's unarmed. Um, and that's how we see the situations of, like, Ahmaud Arbery, or, like, you're guilty before proven innocent, you know what I mean? And not only, like, you know, his, historically, like, you know, from Emmett Till to, you know, Ahmaud Arbery is, like, these races can operate as judge, jury, and executioner on the spot, you know, just because you're scared. And then it also comes through, you know, modern policing, like police fearing for their life is a reason to take one. I'm a journalist. I've covered protests since 2017, man. I've been in the field, all type of stuff from shootings, police shootings, you know, riots, fucking protests. And um, I've never seen a cop fear for their life. They go get it's riot gear and horses and you know what I'm saying? They gas us, they beat our ass, trump up charges, you know what I'm saying? And like just acknowledging the racism in the country. I don't know why so many people try to sidestep, but like for me, like I'm a black man from the the bottom, you know what I'm saying? I'm from South Memphis. I was raised in the trenches and it's like that type of shit don't scare me. You know what I mean? Like I actually hung around gang gangmers my friends, you know what I'm saying? Like I hang out on sets, you know what I mean? Like, I've been around shooters, I've been shot at. I've actually had enemies who are dangerous people. You know what I mean? Like, so when I go outdoors, you weak as hell. That's why you grabbing your gun. You feel me? Like, you, you shake it. Like, I don't even be strapped in the hood, and I actually be out in the hood. You know what I mean? But it's like, like, when you talk about my knowledge, it's like all of my experiences. Like, I was adopted by my grandma when I was two, and she moved me to Utah. So I was met with extreme racism at a very young age. You know what I'm saying? Extremely. Like, I was the only black kid in my whole school district. Not just school, the district. You feel me? And, like, Mormons, uh, it was kind of, like, still, like, a sin to be black back then. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like, Chris, today's your birthday. Your mom come to the school, invite everybody, and be like, Malik, you can't come over. You know what I mean? 1978. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm, like, out there in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? I was born in 88. So that ain't even, like, 10 years removed. You feel me? Like, Black History Month used to be, like, you, the racism was turned up, but they, like, break the knob. You feel me? Like, you like learning about your history, nigger. You know what I'm saying? Like, getting spit on. And I'd fight. Like, I'd get to so many fights. You know what I'm saying? But it's, like, my whole totality of living on both sides of the train tracks from being in middle-class white America, then moving directly to the lowest in the hood, you know what I'm saying, when I was 12. And um, 
it it gave me a special type of preparedness to like be able to navigate through any type of space I'm in. You know what I'm saying? And stay true to myself and represent because I mean, difference is how we learn and grow. And so many black people in the industry, you know, they've kind of like assimilated, you know, out of survival to an extent, or they live in these areas where like they're the only black person. You feel me? So it's like me coming into the industry. I'm not a mountain kid. I'm not from the suburbs. You feel me? Like I'm from the hood and I say what I want to say, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you how I feel about you on the spot. Because, I mean, for how I view it is like, if you can't fight, then you, you what you going to do, shut me up? If you, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, just being that representation that needs to be, because it's not like the, the perfect black person, you know what I mean? Like the ideal candidate. Like I want to represent for the people who are like still in the bottom, you know what I mean? Everything around you is in shambles, but there's a ray of light somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I represent for them people and like, them the folks that I do it for like even when it come to climbing like I ain't really got to do nothing else in the hood people be like you know Malik climbed Everest I'm like that was a grand time, but to them it don't matter <laughs> it's who who we know climbed the mountain nobody you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying like I'm the first man from my city black man you know what I'm saying from my hood to climb mountains so it's like understanding that and being that pillar of light for those people and trying to stay true for them and then also like you know bring my knowledge back bring my knowledge of my experiences to the industry for the change to happen, but also bring my knowledge of the mountains back to the hood so change can happen, you know? Well, the question I guess I have, it's kind of for both of you guys, is sort of about climbing because, you know, I have this climbing podcast. It's been going on for 10 years. My entire life is really about climbing, less so now that I have a kid because now my entire life's about him. So sometimes I, I waffle between, like, you know, climbing is this most important thing in the world and it's super transformative. And like, if only everybody climbed, the world would be a better place to like, this is just some bullshit I've wasted my life on. And like, there's, you know, it's such a minor thing and like it, how could it have these redeeming qualities? And so that also sort of sometimes transfers to what we're talking about, like this, you know, intersectionality between communities. I'm like, well, there's so much like in this world, you know, the the systemic racism, the, the the justice system, housing, you know, all these different things. Like, who cares about climbing? How is climbing, you know, even in the conversation? So I kind of want to ask you guys that because I have my own feelings about it. I, I don't actually live in that world of cynicism most of the time. I'm mostly like, yeah, it's fucking great. But why climbing becomes this important platform or the outdoors, but let's let's get even specific to climbing for for bringing this change. Like, how can it be powerful enough to be this? You know, I want to say weapon, but this wedge against these other things that seem so insurmountable when you when you bear down on them. You know, and what you're talking about just a few minutes ago with racism, but also the system. I mean, you know, it's like this tiny little thing. So, t- tell me about your feelings about how it fits into that and why that's what we're talking about right now you know we work we live we what we do with our families we do it all for a bit of recreation we exist so we can do something fun with our time off and whatever that might we all have a little bit of time off in our life and we want to do something with that so that being what it is i think we were born and Factory setting said climbing, no plan B, we're just going to follow that path. And then once we found it, it was like we plugged in and 
and what we see now after 30, 40 years of climbing is the manner in which we relate to other humans and based on trust and belaying and no one's winning. You can have a hard climb next to an easy climb and the social feeling that you get at the climbing gym is really something special. And I, I mean, we're not getting that in football, which is... It's hierarchical. It's, it's they still have owners. There's no, you know, <laughs> yeah. North Face. I don't know. They got no team owner. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, we're just. Yeah, they, I mean, listen to that shit. I mean. It's a way to get people to communicate. And yeah, at times I'm like, it's such the most frivolous pursuit, especially with the amount of loss that we've gone through. I mean, it's like, you know, here we are. Yesterday we met and we had to talk about death again, and we can't escape that in. So one end of it, it's incredibly selfish that you go do this. You don't need to be putting your loved ones in harm's way and have them suffer because you do it. But then if we can find that magic of communication that we have within climbing and amplify it, it's still very simple and very, I mean, everyone can identify with what climbing is and they know what it speaks to something that's really an ancient part of humans. So like there's the people who act like climbing is um a band-aid, you feel me? Like, it's just going to be the ultimate fix-all, be-all to society's ills and problems. Right. And that's where it's, like, bullshit. Yeah, right. Um, that, that's kind of, again, that's, like, the far extreme of my waffling, too, you know? Yeah, it can be transformative. It can have impacts on people's life, you know, if the industry actually wanted to through representation. Just for, like, if you, you feel like it ain't for you, then you'll never try it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, so you know, like, in the hood, be like, we ain't going to, that's some white folks shit. We ain't finna go climb, like, free solo. Every black person I ever tried to make them watch that movie, they fall asleep and wake up at the end and be like, he's still alive? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they don't give a damn about the route, you know what I'm saying, and working through the problem. They don't give a damn fall about the, the, did he do the kick or the, the, the dino. They don't give a fuck. They sleep. <laughs> did he live? Because it's just like, why would you do that? You know, and then, like, historically, black people, we've suffered so much that, like, if we're going to enter into the outdoors or something. We're not trying to risk our lives. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. we've escaped that for so, or tried to escape that, especially if you're from the hood. You know what I mean? Like, ducking, dodging bullets and shit, and then I'm going to go in Abilene. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, I, I, I totally know what you're saying. And I, I mean. approach it differently. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've rubbed people the wrong way by saying that. You know what I mean? Because, like, for me, and I kind of have a tad bit of, like, that I just got to go suffer. And that's from, like, hanging with Conrad and going on expeditions. Um, there's... <laughs> When, like, when you almost die a couple times, it just rewires your shit differently. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, to where, like, I don't know if y'all ever walk, walk like, 16 miles in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Make friends with pain and you'll never be alone. So, <laughs> it's just like, oh, there's my buddy. Conrad is crazy. People be like, what is, like, hanging out with Conrad? I'm like, you don't want to do it. I swear to God, like, I don't know why the fuck people think he's going to, like, it's fun. Like, well, I we, wish I was you, Malik. <laughs> I just no. <laughs> we got lost. We bushwhacked. We saw a bear in the middle of the night. <laughs> I got separated from Conrad in a fucking thunderstorm and ran into a grizzly like in the Beartooth Mountains. <laughs> like you don't want that. You know what I'm saying? You don't want that. You know? Were you wearing that jacket? Because you, you might have got. You <laughs> yeah, you I know, but you know what? If I ever, like you coming back to my cave, I want another. I want a bear jacket, North Face. The foe will do for now. This is foe, Peter. Don't don't throw paint on my shit. Okay, yeah, right on. <laughs> but, I mean, it can be transformative, but, like, 
Right now, man, the the industry just found out black people existed in 2020. You feel me? Yeah. Like, oh my God, there's black people. Yeah, and I, mean, then, I was in that boat <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like and I, I said, my world was just really small. I know what I mean. Like, it's pockets of insulation. Like, someone was in the comments of one of my latest Instagram posts and was like, "I think when people put skin color to the side and stop being ignorant." Like, black people always tell me that's white people shit. And then I'm like, yeah, whatever, bro. And then I come to Uray Ice Fest, and who here? You know what I'm saying? But, like, that's just surface-level observation. Let's get into why. You know what I mean? Like, I truly believe that once upon a time, black people were extremely connected to the outdoors. I mean, our ancestors navigated north using astronomy. You feel me? North Star. And they navigated through swamps, forests fields whatever you know what i mean on the run from slave catchers you feel me so through urban expansion and racism it's been a great divestment in creating like slums and inner cities and ghettos to where like your green space is the shitty local park you feel me like there's no way for you to get outside and then with racism in rural areas like you just seen i forget the young man's name but he just got killed while hunting with some white boys you know what i'm saying oh right in pennsylvania yeah in my whole life swear to god i've always wanted to hunt you know what i mean and i went to school in arkansas all the white boys like used to be gone for three weeks and then come back with like you want some deer meat you want some deer sausage you want some deer jerky and I always wanted to go, but every older black man my whole life would be like, don't take your ass out in the woods. They're going to kill you and say they didn't see you or, you know what I mean? Something going to happen to you. And, like, that's the second time in my life that I've heard of, like, a someone's getting killed while hunting. You know what I mean? So it's like, I want, I still want to hunt. I want to live off the land. But, like, until I meet some black cowboys slash hunters, I ain't learning. You feel me? Like, there's so many layers of that, like, traveling to Uray. I have to stop in middle of nowhere, Texas, population 300. And I just try my best not to get pulled over by the sheriff who's sitting in the middle of the median. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's like you try to you try to minimize um, any type of escalation ever. Right. And that's everywhere you go. Because what did I say earlier? As an unarmed black man, you're we- you're you're dangerous. Right. And you in a place where they don't see no black people either. It's like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm great about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they hear. But um, now that the industry is aware it's like what are you gonna do with it you know we have some situations where they slap a couple black people on a couple ads you know what i mean and i'm not trying to have no pity bids where you just go sign a bunch of black people on the team you know i don't want you to have a quota i wanted to like me and conrad's relationship is natural organic any brand that i associate with and right now it's really just tnf and yeti but it's like I have a personal connection with the brand, and these brands support me in my personal endeavors. Mm-hmm. Like at the peak of the George Floyd protests, I had like blew out a pair of shoes, and I really didn't have no clothes because I had gained, I lost like 40 pounds. So I had like no clothes. And, um, you know, I contacted the brand, and like they sent me like, you know, all black gear, new shoes and stuff, and that's to go photojournal and capture protests. Like, what other brand? I can't call Jordan, you feel me? Like, yo, let me get them new J's because I need to go. <laughs> Stand up for the people real quick. (laughs) It's that type of natural connectivity. And I feel like me being brought into the circle of influence and having a platform like where I'm on this climbing podcast. I'm the least accomplished climber with like some of the most attention right now. Mm -hmm. It's, It's really wild. I try to tell people to correlate it to like I'm best friends with LeBron James. And, like, I have a name on the back of the jersey, but I can't dunk. You know you what I mean? just compare him to LeBron James. No, he's, like, he's he's Michael Jordan. He's okay. compared to Michael Jordan. Not he got six rings. He ain't never lost. You feel me? Uh, that his, his record is a little better. You know? <laughs> 
having this position, you know, I could be all into like ego and glory and me, me, me. But it's like anything I'm doing is trying to carve out a space. Like even with the fashion side of things, it's like, you know, you know, streetwear is like where I'm from. You feel me? And like bringing able to bring that to the mountain. And it's natural to swag and want to, you know what I'm saying? Look cool and look good and just show a different side of things. Cause like the, the climber bro side of climbing is lame as fuck. I don't care what you sent and the crimp and woo to woo. What do you believe in? What do you stand up for? What contributions are you making to the world? You know what I'm saying? And like what you see, you know, cause it's like, especially with more money you have, the more isolated you can become. You can go to these tell you ride mountain towns and get away. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, what, who else is there? And you just isolate yourself with the same things. to whereas like BLM, like, I don't care about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Voting rights, I'm, you know, my vote, my right. It's where you don't have to care, right. and so it's like, it's just you have. If you want to see change, it's something that you gotta want to do. For example, this is allyship. Allyship is retractable at any time. You feel me? Like mm-hmm. I ID as a feminist, I don't go parade myself as one because I don't need a a tap on the back. Like the biggest time for me to stand up for women is when I'm in the car with my homeboy and he wants to holler at a chick at the gas station. She's by herself. And I'm like, chill out. Don't do that. Leave her alone. So like with racism right now, you see like, Oh, I'm an ally. I'm a good white person. Yay. And it's like, I don't give a damn. You know what I'm saying? And if me say, I don't give a damn, make you not want to be an ally no more. Hmm. You know what I mean? If you ain't getting that praise, cause right. the biggest time for you to be an ally is when you in that boardroom and they say some racist shit. Or you at Red Bull and they come through with a bullshit article that's clearly racist and you don't say nothing. You feel me? Like, them are the times if you want to be an ally. You can't be like, I got a BLM sticker on my car. Like, you know, it's putting in the work. Like, for me, as a male, I live in a chauvinistic, misogynistic society. And if I want my daughters, my sisters, my mom and aunts to thrive in this world, every day I have to fight against misogyny to the day I die with no praise. And if you want to eliminate racism... If you will call yourself an ally for to every day, to the day you die, you have to fight against racism, you know? And like, oh, damn, that's a lie. I know. I'm sorry. There's no quick fix to this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't climb the grand and like now racism is over. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's, it's not that easy and it's actual work that has to be done. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I mean, platforms like this, people are going to hear what I said and be like, hmm, I never thought of it like that. Right. And it's just perspectives, man. And, like, through life has happened to all of us. And we're all sitting here in the same place, right? But we all have three different vantages. We can look at all, look at this cup, and that shit look different to all of us. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's a great beauty about life, that once you put in the commonality of suffering and we remove the I'm a climber, I'm black, I'm white, and just be like, you know what joy is? You know what loss is? You know what wins are? Have you celebrated? You know what I mean? Like, once we had that connectivity as humans, that's where the real change began. Like with Memphis Rocks, that's one of the only places where I could say I've seen a gang member and an investment banker have a conversation. It's just like gravity is equal to us all. Do you want me to belay for you? (laughs) Do you trust me to belay for you? That's all that matters. And like if we can have more connectivity, the ignorance can end. Because like the ignorance can brew when there's nothing else to divest from it, you know? Mm -hmm. If it's all white male club and shit, it's just going to be all white male club until it's, you know? So if you want to see the change, you got to do the work. And that shit is work. I said earlier, I'm in this boat, you know, you, you were saying like, yeah, two years ago, the, the outdoor industry realized there was black people. You're sort of saying that kind of as a sort of a, a wink, like, haha, you know, we, we're, we've always been here. Again, I felt a little bit of guilt for that as well. Better late than never. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, and I'm not saying yeah, that right. as an indictment. You right. know what I mean? Because you have yeah. to start somewhere. And That's it's not what I'm your too, right? It's not your fault, like Conrad said, with like the genetic lottery. You born, you, you born who you born. You know, you can't change race. 
you're born into the class that you're born into. And, like, because of racism, we didn't invent it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There may be people who, you know, benefit from it existing, yeah. but it's, like, it's just a system, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a caste system, and, like, we really have to acknowledge it as the first step. You yeah. know what I mean? It sucks to say I've never been perfect. Oh, I've participated or perpetuated this at one time. Mm-hmm. But it's like once you know it's a problem, that's when I'll start, like, judging you. It's like, okay, now you know. Now you know. And you, what are you going to do? Yeah, you can't say I didn't know now. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, the other thing, too, is that I've always, and this is naive, but you think to myself, like, the whole reason I climb is to get away from you know, politics, you know, you hear that a lot, politics or these issues. Like, I just want to be free out there doing my own thing. And, and to a certain extent, I do have a sympathy for that because people are literally doing that in terms of their own troubles, their own inner. I hear that all the time on the podcast. Like, I found climbing and it helped me change, you know, these things that I was feeling bad about. So I know, I understand why people don't want that invading necessarily their experience, but I agree with you on the set level that, it's okay that you were naive and you didn't know in some ways, but now that you know, it, it's got to be a, a different feeling about it. But I think a lot of climbers, especially, you know, I was thinking about myself as a 20-something-year-old living in my car, you know, no social media, so no real, like, constant connection to the world. You you really didn't have any idea what the hell was going on out in the world. And I have a sympathy for those guys now that that's what they want. And they, I'm sure, say to themselves, like, oh, I'm, I'm this age, like, what am I supposed to do about it? And I, and I guess that's part of the deal is we're, if you are conscious, you're still searching for this answer because it seems a really overwhelming. So what do, you, what do you think about that? Like, what do you do about these, this issue? What do you do if you're just a, a climber that, you know, is somewhat penniless probably and feel like you don't have that much influence on the world? It's a, it's a tough question because part of it is like, I'm like, well, I'll just quit grousing about social justice, racism, the climate, and then I'm not going to get haters on my feed, which creates anxiety. And it's like, it's just this, this loop that goes crazy, crazy bad, not doing anything. But um, as much as the we became aware in the summer of 2020, we're now going backwards. I mean, we can't pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. 13 states um, have now some 50 plus more restrictive voting laws montana where i'm from is is you know right there with that and there's um when we see these from a a top level that we're not addressing it and then using misinformation to change the the narrative of it is is a bit um is is a challenge because i see what um what we went through in 2020 with and, and casting doubt onto the election and and, and a, as a microcosm of one state of Georgia. And so if we can heal Georgia, we can our, our nation's going to be on a good path. And that's I'm saying that because the the Ahmed Aubrey shooting and, you know, thank goodness those they were sentenced to life guilty um, guilty yeah and but it took that long for it to come out. And then I mean, the if they didn't release the video, they wouldn't have went to jail. And, like, that's right. the type of situations, you know, just to highlight the hypocrisy. I mean, they are in jail, but it's like they didn't get arrested for, like, a month and a half after that killing. I, white people always ask me, like, what can I do? What can I do? And the first step you can do is stop asking me what you can do because it's not up to— Just the, go do something. Yeah. It's not up to minorities right. to 
educate the oppressor how they're being oppressed and how they oppress from or how they benefit from that oppression Mm -hmm. because like people play dumb with racism but i'd be like would you want to be black they'd be like oh no it's like you get it you fucking get it you just you don't want to acknowledge it but i mean education is key i mean like there's some great authors like robin d'angelo who's wrote like white fragility and her newest book nice racism is really on the mark because that's kind of what's happening in what's not kind of that's what's happening in the industry is where it's like a microchasm of exploitation and um it's DEI and the most important letter in that to me is equity. I need that bag. You feel me? Like I made a lot of people money except myself. You know what I mean? And like that's what I'm trying to rectify this year. Mm-hmm. Is because you know, you can you can do the impossible and it still won't be enough. You know what I mean? But if I could do that for myself, you're saying and I mean that's where I have to talk to my peers because like my peers see my position with North Face as, like, something to aspire to or work towards, and it's like, it's not. You know, I kind of let them, it's not. Um, everything ain't, like, perfect. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And the only thing I think at the end of the day is going to, like, pacify my soul is, like, me laying my own foundation. And it's not been, like, me laying it. It's, like, you know, through the contributions of Conrad, you know what I'm saying? Like, others, uh, just along the way, my comrades and just anything, but trying to, like, cover my basis where I feel like I'm getting what I deserve and what's going on in the interactions. Because it's like when you're dealing with a a displaced people or a disadvantaged individual, you can you can throw them scraps and this might be the best shit I've ever had in my life. You know what I mean? And um equity is meaning like you can have a whole plate too. And that's just something that I'm working towards, you know. You know, you mentioned the um the sort of tokenism issue within the industry. The climbing is also coming at it this this strange way. And one of the things I've learned in this podcast is that everybody thinks that like a sponsored climber or like a professional climber is all about how hard they climb. And I, and actually I think that that's changed a lot even since I started climbing, but you know, I've talked to uh, your friend Manoa, um, Genevieve Walker. So a couple of black climbers I've talked to and there's an interesting theme there is that both of them kind of were like half, like, why am I sponsored? I'm not a, I'm not like the best climber. And you mentioned that as well. But the thing is that I, I, especially with Genevieve, even privately talked to her, but I'm like, it's not about how hard you climb. You, you, you bring something to the table and, and, and they're also very concerned about tokenism, but it, it kind of has to happen organically, but also like you are bringing this thing to the table. That's not about how hard you climb. I think that's important to understand that like, there are reasons for you to be a face in climbing besides how hard you climb. And right now, it's it's important that your face is in climbing. It's important. I mean, I say the game need to change, and I'm the cashier. You know what I'm saying? Like, Black Ice is a great movie because it wasn't about climbing. You yeah. feel me? Like, all climbing films is like, I try to climb it. I fail. I train. I climb it. The end. <laughs> and, like... The human element is so diverse, you feel me? And um, it was a breath of fresh air just to see people, like, taking the wonder and bewilderment of the outdoors. And, like, Conrad, it that started with me and Chris Dean at Color the Crag. And um, we had his number from Global Climbing Day. And this was, like, a whole year later. And we never called it. And I was like, call Conrad. He, no, Chris was like, we should call Conrad and see what he's talking about, this ice climbing shit. I'm like... He ain't going to pick up. And Chris is like, I bet he pick up. I'm like, call him. Hello, this is Conrad. I'm like, oh, what's up? He's like, we need to go ice climbing. 
we didn't know what impact that would have. You know what I mean? He but not, it, he doesn't even return my text. So <laughs> <laughs> he just picks up a random Memphis number. Oh, I'm, I'm getting better at that. <laughs> but seriously, it just comes. It comes down to like. Uh, there are a hundred other stories to be told. You know what I mean? And like for a person like me, when I say person like me, I mean like from the hood in the industry and being visible is truly unheard of. You know, there's right. been other black men, but like someone like me, so open. So I'm, I'm, you know, I have so much different charisma that I bring to the table and um, I want to actually get away from the life threatening climbing shit. Right. Every time I talk to Hano, I tell him, please stop. You know what I'm saying? I don't play, like, please stop. Being with Conrad and, like, I knew what the fuck Torrin was about before. Y'all think y'all see because y'all watch the movie. Like, live with him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's something that people carry with them. You know what I mean? Sitting with, go hang out with Conrad for three weeks and then I go travel with Max and we drive eight hours to the Grand. You know what I mean? And, like, you get to sit and actually feel so much with so many people. I just want, like, I just want people to have the chance. Like, with Manoa and Genevieve, that's imposter syndrome, where they feel like they're not supposed to be here because everything in your life has, like, taught you that you shouldn't be. Um, I used to have imposter syndrome, but in 2019, I went to Telluride, and I got a, 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 a journal. And on the journal, it says, this place on the map right here, God circled on the map for you. You're supposed to be right where you are. And, like, I was at Sophia Bush, not Sophia Bush, Hillary Swank's house. Like, I was just hanging out with this New York Times bestseller. Like, I don't know who none of these people are because I just like people. And I'm just driving with Jedediah. And he's like, oh, we're going over to my friend Hillary's house. And I'm like, Hillary who? He's like, Hillary Swank. And I, like, Google her. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And in that <laughs> I don't moment, know who she is. Sorry. Oscar award winning actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's all. God and, 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 you know, like, at the time, in 2019, I'm in Telluride. Everybody's like, what you do? What you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a film director. And I'm like, where can we watch some of your stuff? I'm like, it don't exist yet. Over time, you, you learned that, like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Like, what I found that Red Bull article so insulting with Mark Jenkins. And I'm going to say your name. You deserve it. You deserve all this heat because it's like you tried to belittle Manoa on his accomplishments. And the thing I want people like Mark Jenkins and all those people who feel like him to understand is that as a black man, I really don't ever have to climb another thing. And my people herald and love me and hold me up and I have a community. You know what I'm saying? That's the connectivity. That's why we should be visible. or That's why I'm on this team, because like. If I'm a part of your program, organization, et cetera, I give you legitimacy with a certain group of people. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, people in my hood be like, I ain't never even look at North Face Coast till I started seeing you with them jumps. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's bringing, connecting gaps and bridging divides. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why you're there. I mean, yeah, I want this year, I want to uh, solo the grand. If that's not good enough for you, kiss my ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's good. That's, for me, that's like my Yosemite. You feel me? Um, and like, Everything that I've came through to get to this point, like, I've suffered enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to add that on to prove myself. Like, right. I stand here today. That's proven enough. You feel me? And we were out camping with Max and the boys in the Beartooth Wilderness in Montana. We're sitting around the campfire, and there's this goat that came by, and we were the salt supply for the goat. And we were having this, like, your typical campfire conversation. It was like, if you came back in the next life or if you believed in reincarnation, what, I mean, it was sort of hypothetical. And it was like, oh, I'd be my mom's puppy because that would be, you'd have treats all the time and get scratched. And and you were like, point blank, I'm not coming back as a black man because I've been there. And 
that was like this epiphany because here we are with the family. We're talking about, you know, it's just a standard campfire talk that you probably have with your kids. Like it's a way to ask about into the future. And that was that moment is still stays with me. And then the weight that you carry with that. And yeah, I want to be a rich white person's dog, you know, like some poodles that be smiling and shit. I want to be one of them. Like to have the dog house with the two levels and the heat. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be one of them dogs or a redwood tree guy. I could do a redwood like, but I did good as a black man. This go around. You well, know this is, yeah. I mean, you're doing good. Like you, you're again, you're this young man, which I, I, I've, I, I still sit here finding that hard to believe. Um, honestly, and, you and thought like I was I said, an old man, y'all. Not an old man. I'm not saying I thought Wise you were man. like some 75 year old dude or whatever. Some Morgan Freeman. On I the... just, I don't know. I had you in your 30s easily because I'm 33. Oh, you? Okay, yeah. cool. All right. Oh, he thought I was young, y'all. I'm blushing yeah. now. Let Let me kind of ask you a, a super, just sort of nuts and bolts question about, um, again about growing your community in the climbing world. So, like. You know, the guys that came along on uh, in the Black Guys film, the guys that are and girls that are walking through the door at Memphis Rocks when you were working there, maybe, you know, you're still associated. Like, what's your pitch about climbing? Because you, what you said, oh, that's white people shit. You know, I've heard that and I feel it. I understand it as well. Back to this why climbing is important to this whole kind of mix. Like, what's your pitch? Like, how is it that you talk to some guy you know, like some of the, the guys in the film and convince them that it's something they ought to, ought to fucking do, like go claw their way up ice. Yeah, like salatio. I think it's like a, an incredibly bizarre part of our of, of climbing. If you want to like double down on how weird climbing is. like This takes the cake. This kind of, t- like bouldering too, seems like a really hard yeah. hard sell. Like why would you just climb up this little tiny thing, you know? But clawing your way up an ice climb has to be, like telling them you know we should go to mars we should like i mean it's hard. Do you know what i mean yeah i mean it doesn't sound like i said we suffered enough it'd be like hey you want to yeah. come to montana we're gonna sleep in negative 10 degree tents and yeah. you know it's like why what but like ice climbing i don't ice climb <laughs> either it's, i it's, used to because it's i don't like the suffering yeah of, i mean you like know? you have to be a, you have to find a, a, a place of content with suffering yeah, yeah but i mean for me i show them me I'd be like, check this out when I wore my GoPro my first time, ice climbing, POV, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, look at these peaks. You ain't never seen the mountains before. Like, this shit's so beautiful. Look at this when the sun, showing them time lapses. Look at the stars, bro. Like, I bring the complete package. Like, climbing ain't shit. I, I am, I'm here to say I do not <laughs> give a damn about climbing per right. se. I'll do it. I participate it. I like pushing myself to new levels. I like that. I was a D1 athlete in college to run track. So I like the athleticism involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the dexterity, you know what I mean? But, like, the climbing ain't how I get people there. It's the experience. Right. Climbing is more of a vessel, man. It's like an Uber. Like, where we're where I'm trying to take people is just, like, you know, I the climbing, you, you might, if, I, I love taking black people to horse pens because it's, like, horse pens 40 in Alabama because it's easy to get into. There's a boulder field. And, like, you know, my first time there, man, I was just running up rocks. They're like, oh, the route over here. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about the route. This is climbing rocks. Because right. at that point, I was in a gym for a year. And, like, when I come out, you see a, a boulder gym or whatever. That ain't shit. Like, oh, it's a rock. It's a big rock. And they climb it. Wow. And, like, the childhood wonder of just getting on top of something. I don't care how you get up there. Just get up there. And, like, that's how I introduce it. Because that's where, like, the tryhards and the climber bros and, you know, like, you're you're taking away that bewilderment and that experience and like 
people who are amateurs feel like they have to go like, bro, if you're not trying to like actively be on TNF or, you know, be a pro or anything like that, just the the average person doesn't risk their life when they go in a climate gym. They go do their routes, have a good time, release some endorphins, go home. And when it comes to like outdoor stuff, I want people to have that same type of walk-in acclimation of just, you know, day in, day out. You know, there is climbing is a dangerous sport, but we ain't got to like spread some extra, you know, avalanche on top or, you know what right, I mean? Like, right. so just showing people what can come from it. And like, whenever, like I'm, I, I'm non-religious, but it's like when I'm out in what nature, it's like, thank God this exists. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just thankful that I get to be here in this moment with everything that's happened around me. Cause the thing about existence is like, Everything right now is experiencing existence from like, you know what I mean? These trees, these rocks, me, you, these animals, these deer. And it's like to be here at this moment in time will never happen again. What I just said is already the past. You feel me? And like we could come here tomorrow, sit in these same chairs and it'll never be the same. And so I take that type of thought process through life just as in like make every day count as much as possible. I could die right now and like I well, I did everything I ever wanted to do. Like, really, I've checked off all my bucket list. Like, in 2021, I had to be, like, think of some new stuff because it's like, you know, I could just check out right now. Like, I don't do, when it comes to staying in a tent, I'm going to be take pictures. That's my plan to everything I've accomplished, to, like, the collaborations with Hennessy, the NBA, Memphis Grizzlies, like, you know, North Face, Black Ice, you know, like, the Brooks Museum purchased is the Fine Arts Museum in Memphis purchased uh, some of my protest photos for permanent collection. You know, like I just always wanted to document history and be like a historian for my people because it's it's important who tells the story. I mean, like Black Ice, it was important that I was behind the camera because those people who was in front of the camera wouldn't have been there open if it wasn't. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, I just want to document. I just want to tell. And I just want to share the light with as many people as possible. I'm a sponge when it comes to soaking up knowledge, but when it comes to opportunity, I'm trying to share it with as many people as possible. If I can build my own platform to give more of my people opportunities and that be a, a different way to enter into the industry, I would, you know, I would love for that to be existent. Dropping some heavy knowledge there, yeah. <laughs> and this is just the shit I yeah. think about. I know, you good. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what I think about is what I think about. You feel mm-hmm. me? Like, I Well, don't climbing know. teaches you at a very high cost to live in the moment and be present, and that's... You, know, you lose a friend, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, yeah, what's really important with it? So, but love and relationships—that's what's important, you know. I ain't telling you to go find a black friend, but like, <laughs> just just tell other white people about racism, and it's not okay. You know what I'm saying? Let's start there. Um, oh my bad. I think that like since the lid has been open, um, I think sky's the limit on it. You know, I'm gonna take it as far as it can go. So they let the right one in the door. <laughs> <laughs> We have this thing in climbing, a lifer, you know, we're, we're looking at one of the ultimate lifers sitting here, Conrad. Do you imagine yourself as being a lifer in climbing or could you see yourself, you know, finding another way to, to do what you're doing that would maybe take your focus away or, you know, where, where do you see climbing as far as, um, going forward? I'm going to tell y'all a secret. I ain't supposed to say this publicly because it's like the sponsors will never sign me. But after I solo the grade and I'm retiring, I'm still going to climb, but I'm not going to push that. That's me pushing that. That's as far as I'm going to push it. Because usually when I get this question, it's like, you know, what's next? And it has to be some big, broad, huge thing. I just want to continue. Like, I love hiking. You know what I mean? I'll go hike fucking 18 miles in the middle of nowhere, backcountry, 
and stay at a beautiful base camp for a week or two. Mm-hmm. I like that. I have to find how far I'm willing to push it on a normal basis. And I haven't gotten that chance to explore that deeply. But I know I love national parks. Like, I'm doing a TV show called Outside Ain't Free because I won a truck from Go Fast Campers. Um, Shout out to them and the whole team, Graham, GMAC. But it's like uh, traveling with my homeboy, my, my, my producer who's black, and we driving across the country, just us in the truck, and we're stopping at Yellowstone, and we're going to the Badlands. And, like, I've never known – I didn't know the Badlands existed. And, like, to see somewhere that used to be an ocean, like, next – well, this year, when it gets warm, I want to go out there for two weeks, and I'm going to try to climb in every rock crevice. You know what I mean? Like, and I like being able to climb. Like, I can climb at a pretty – I keep up with Conrad. I'm not a pro, but I ain't died yet. So I feel like that says a lot. <laughs> and I want to, like – you know, just take my experience, my skills of climbing, but apply it to my place in the world. And I think that's going to be like exploring national parks and, you know, just enjoying the the solitude of the outdoors, you know. But I ain't got to keep pushing the envelope because, right. you know. I guess that was probably the way, the, the reason I formed the question that way was that more of a question of not, oh, yeah, what's next? Like, I would actually ask a lot of climbers that come on here. Yeah, I'm but, but like- more like, yeah, does this... You know, does this fit into your life in a way that you just feel it necessary the way we feel it is necessary? You know, <laughs> Malik here. and I are going to head over to the uh, what's that biography or bibliography or whatever the <laughs> the Sharma nine A room. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Can you imagine the two of us like camping out and projecting that? <laughs> like the euros be like, what? <laughs> Who are these guys? They're like. They're brewing coffee again. <laughs> I, I'll always be in the outdoors. Right. I can say that. Like, when I'm out here, my soul breathes. When I'm under the stars is when I feel connected to my ancestors mm-hmm. and those who came before me. And, uh, you know, as much, I'm going to retire and tell you right. As soon as I get some real money, some movie money, like, I'm going to tell you right. And I want to move my family there because, like, you know, we've been through too much. We've had a mm-hmm. lot of loss, a lot of suffering. And, like, if I can give them that same piece of solitude to walk out and see the peaks and go for a hike and clear your head. Um, that's what I want to do. And, um, but I'm always going to be outside though. You know, it's a part of me now. It's just, and I got this truck, you know, right. and I like being musty and dirty and shit. Like it's fun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I like all that. You know what I mean? I ain't shaved in like damn near two years. This is awesome. You know, <laughs> And then your Canadian sweetheart, is she still in the equation? Yeah. She's still yeah. Vanessa. Uh, Vanessa yeah. She's from Montreal. So it's like, it's cold as fuck up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, I don't, I, I have like the worst footwear for this. My feet are definitely starting to freeze, but, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, you just said a joke about, um, you know, going and doing realization or bibliography yeah. and, and we've been talking about representation in, in the sport. And, you know, I, ha- I sort of like hate to admit this, but that's actually something that I would love to see, you know, is like, having black athletes in the sport you know Kai Leitner was was a, a guy that I think was a little ahead of this and and I I don't know what his yeah position the trip with, to Flattinger yeah with his with climbing I don't know where it is in his life anymore but um I, that's kind of like as a as a guy who grew up pouring over the magazines and interested about like hard climbing and stuff like that I'm just looking forward to that I, I want those athletes in the sport because yeah. i think they're out there you know it's not like unheard of yeah but for me you're right the ads are one thing and you know but that's like would be a, a future that i'd where i'm just like looking through and watching guys crush yeah that you know that look like you 
And yeah. I think that would be also a, a, a big selling point as far as representation of like, this guy's like truly crushing this sport. Yeah. And it's like, it's so obviously possible. It's just like, I want that. As, as a fan of climbing, I want it. You yeah, know like I mean? Aiden is an example. Yeah, I just want to say, Aiden Conrad, he's a kid from Memphis, mm-hmm. climbs at Memphis Rocks, and, like, he's phenomenal. Like, if he see you do it, he can pretty much do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but it's just, like, it's hard bridging that gap to, like, sure, like where it make climbing cool for young black men that they want to do it when they can go hoop and, like, hoop and got all the notoriety. and You know what right. I mean? Like, putting all this time and effort into climbing, especially, like, if you get into the comp side of things and mm-hmm. stuff of that nature. But I know it could totally happen. I mean, like, Memphis Rocks is a world-class facility, and, like, I, I, you know, if I was, I was a D1 athlete coming out of high school, state champion, all mm-hmm. that. I just wonder, like, if I still am, athlete, you know, I'm 33. I took down a step. I'm not as fast as I used to be. But if I was a spring chicken and I had that gym in my backyard, what would have came out of that? You know what I mean? And um, I think something will. Yeah. It, a it, lot has already come out of it. I feel know? like it. And that's, you know, the whole, the whole face of climbing has changed because of gyms. And we've been into this gym culture for about 20 years really maybe a decade where they're really common and um and that's happened and and so i'm like to me i'm excited about that prospect because it'll just grow then i think um and and the you know it's like you talked about driving around the west and and feeling you know uncomfortable in certain places out here and i understand that because you are like the only guy you know, that we've seen or whatever. Me and, and Manoa drove to yeah. b- like from Ure to Bozeman last year. And there's a place like in Idaho that's a hanging tree gas station. And like, there's an old tree. There's not a noose on it, but they wrap barbed wire around it. And I was like, Manoa, pull over. I want a picture. And he seen it. He was like, hell no. And like sped up. <laughs> but it, I mean, like uh, it's the funny, hanging it's, tree uh, gas yeah, it's station. It's funny. Like, We're laughing, but then it's like, that's the thing is you're just like, that's also a fucking kick in the balls, you know? And I'm just talking about climbing areas too, you know. I, yeah, Confederate I, Gulch is right. the name of a climbing area. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, when you're driving across and it'd be like uh, Wipeout Land or Massacre, you know, right, right. like you know, Main Street Massacre happened right here. It'd be like, sure. what the fuck, like you know? Yeah, Massacre Rocks in Idaho. Right. And that was the result of that. But you know, it's it's history and like acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that's something that our our country is getting wrong, like with the whole critical race theory and you know what i mean you're just breeding more ignorant motherfuckers who like gonna be in the, you know what i mean on the wrong side of history 50 right. years from now that's why it's like oh all the old people are gonna die and it's gonna trail off it's like no when i was in elementary school there was kids my age calling me nigger right. so it's like they learned that from somewhere you know what i mean they were very efficient and very vitriolic at how they approach black people and these are elementary school kids so it's like they learn it from somewhere and um, like I said, I ain't trying to indict nobody or make them feel bad. You know, it's just a call out. You know, even as me as a man, like I had to acknowledge that me in my twenties, I was like shitty to women. You know what I mean? And like my biggest thing now is like never trying to perpetuate those type of situations because here's go the thing about like racism or misogyny. Like as a man, I benefit from the actions of a violent man. I'll explain. Like how does a how does uh you know a, a liberal benefit from the the actions of the people who killed Ahmaud Arbery? It's because you get to juxtapose. So it's like, oh, I don't beat my girlfriend like fucking Charles beats his wife. I don't cheat like Jones cheats on his wife. You know, I'm better. I must be a good man. And it's like, oh, I'm not, you know, 
shooting black people down in the street and I'm not calling them, you know, nigger in public, you know, I'm not that bad. And it's like, when you can juxtapose, that's where the problem is when it's like, it's the same problem, but just because you're not as bad as that doesn't mean you're not bad at all. And, um, yeah, like, and it's just enlightening. Like that's not nothing to be ashamed of or people get defensive and angry. It's like you doing that because you feel it in your chest. You know, that shit ain't right. You know what I mean? And now that you are aware of it, what you going to do with it? You might not ever change, but I hope every time that situation come up, I hope you feel it in your chest that that shit ain't right. You may not ever acknowledge it, but as long as you know in the inside, you hear my voice like, you know that shit ain't right. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Malik and Conrad for sitting down and all the machinations that made that happen, from PR people uh, to Conrad to Malik, to get us sitting there in the same area together. I won't say room because we were out of doors, as you could hear. And it was refreshing to sit down with Malik, someone who's talking directly at the issues. We have a tendency to talk around them. I do, because I don't know what to say. I don't know where my place is, but it was good to sit across from someone who basically was putting me in my place, putting us all in our place. Agree or disagree, it was good to hear. Don't forget that if you catch this in time before the 17th of February, you can catch Conrad and Malik again. If you go to alpenglowsports.com, their winter speaker series, and sign up to hear them talk in person or online. And I don't know if that'll be archived, if you can see it afterwards. Maybe you can. I don't know. But if you want to follow Malik, he's on Instagram all over the place. Worth checking out. Worth putting him in your feed. Even if he does make you feel a little bit uncomfortable at times. That's what he's here for. All right, folks. Hopefully you're out there at the crag, keeping it an open and welcoming place, caring for each other, regardless of background, race, socioeconomics, just climbing, making it fun for everybody. And of course, not just checking your knot, but checking everyone's knots. I hunt Grizz. Grizz? Grizzly bears, Pilgrim. I collect the claws. I had one in that thicket back there, ready to shake hands until you come along. I'm sorry, then. That you look. (laughs) Hungry, too, huh? Come on. You know how to skin Grizz? I can skin most anything. Sure are cocky for a starving pilgrim. A boy, 
Are you sure that you can skin Grizz? Just as fast as you can find him. <laughs>